one should trust in digital technology much more and use that as an integral part of the daily work, which eventually should allow you to run even less experiments in bioprocessing and using that technology to compensate for that. Hey, smart biotech scientists, welcome back to another episode. Have you ever wondered how you could make process development and scale up more seamless? Or have you thought about how you could skip 60 to 80% of all the experiments in process development? If yes, you are at the right place today because I'm excited that we have Michael Sokolov on today. He's the co-founder and COO of DataHow, a spin-off company from ETH Zurich. And they specialize on process data analytics and modeling with a particular focus on the biopharmaceutical and chemical domains. So we're going to look into why hybrid modeling is such a game changer in the industry and how you can leverage that, even if you work in a small company and you have little resources. But you are going to discover in this episode how you can leverage that too and how you can make process development seamless. So stay tuned. Are you juggling the complexities of CMC development while trying to enjoy the beauty of biotech? Have you ever wondered if there's a way to simplify bioprocessing? Welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast, where we're diving headfirst into the very challenges you face. We're breaking it down, demystifying the jargon and giving you the keys to unlock your full potential. I'm your host, David Brolman, and I get it. With 15 plus years in the biotech industry, I face the same challenges you do. There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can remove complexity, you can skip trials and errors, deliver without delay your groundbreaking therapy to clinics at market, and still enjoy every single step. Do you want to learn how industry experts and I did it? Grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and pen. Now is the time to take your bioprocessing game to the next level. Let's smarten up biotech. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the Smart Biotech Podcast. So great to have you on the show today. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Michael, share something that you believe about succeeding bioprocess development that most people disagree with. Well, there is definitely many things, but one of them is that one should trust in digital technology much more and use that as an integral part of the daily work, which eventually should allow you to run even less experiments in bioprocessing and using that technology to compensate for that. It's not a secret that I'm a big fan of modeling, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation, so more to come. But before, tell us, Michael, how you came into the world of biotech, and now um, you're the COO of a not-so-small company anymore. Well, I studied chemical engineering, and within that, I understood very fast that I'm much more interested in the computational side and less in the lab. And thereafter, during the master's, I switched from chemical to more bioengineering, and these two goals combined shaped where I am today, the idea that you can support biotechnology by using digital solutions, which need to be custom towards the questions which you need to answer in that world, 
but on the other hand by using these consistently to be really able to solve problems in much faster time and possibly even beyond what human beings can do today. This was the idea of my doctoral work and eventually also the driving force of our company DataHub. Yeah, that's great. Well, you are now focusing on bioprocessing and making that process more seamless and I'd say also faster. So let's talk about that for a second. What is in your experience the ultimate challenge that biotech scientists face when navigating this space of bioprocessing development and then eventually the manufacturing of biologics? So I think there's uh, several challenges which are worth addressing. First of all, when developing the process, the main driving force is time and cost. So you want to accelerate process development and scale it up towards manufacturing as fast as possible, as resource efficient as possible. In doing so, however, you're facing many different challenges in terms of selecting the right cell line, selecting the right reactor type, the right operation mode, fine-tuning all of the process parameters. And ideally, the idea is to find a way to accelerate that without changing the capacity you have, but much more trusting in high-throughput technologies, trusting in the possibility to parallelize many systems which you could utilize to converge to that decision faster. However, later on, when the process is developed and you're in manufacturing, the big challenge is to avoid failure rates. Still in pharma, we are facing substantially 1% high failure rates, which are huge revenue losses pharma companies experience due to unfavorable operations. And here also the human factor is a very big part which can yield to that deviations. Therefore, here the question is less on the side of cost reduction, but much more around failure reduction and cost management. And all in all, this brings us towards, in general, the time to market, which is, again, another very important goal, maybe even less for only big pharma companies, but also for smaller biotech firms who are required to bring their molecule as fast as possible to the market and in doing so have a robust process producing enough material. Great. So now speaking of the hybrid modeling, you guys, you're focusing on the hybrid model. So before diving into the nuts and bolts, and we're going to get very tactical in a minute, but first of all, let's talk first about why is this such a game changer and how it can, could or it can revolutionize the bioprocessing industry. So hybrid models follow the rationale that we have two virtues, but also two limitations being we know our bioprocess somewhat, but not perfectly. And we have some data, but not infinite data as every measurement and every run in pharma comes down to a huge labor cost. The idea of hybrid modeling is therefore to say, well, we have an imperfect knowledge or an incomplete knowledge and also an incomplete data set available, but these two combined should be leveraged to the maximal degree. And hybrid models are centered around formalized engineering knowledge, capturing the most important phenomena. And within that, machine learning is used in order to answer very process-specific questions. This allows, therefore, to combine the two main assets which we have available 
and to leverage these to answer very important practical questions. Great. Now, I'm sure some of you listening today, you're not familiar with hybrid model is or what other modeling techniques are out there. Can you help us understand what the difference of hybrid modeling is compared to more traditional modeling methods? As of now, the majority of data analysis modeling activities has been centered on very simple tools, linear methods such as linear regression. Understanding that the interrelationship between our design parameters and our product quality attributes is everything but linear as we have very complex dynamic processes, such linear methods are naturally limited in learning this interrelationship, especially if we do not have a lot of data available. Therefore, you either have to run a lot of experiments or you end up with a process which is not fully understood. And therefore, going back to the previous question, we risk on taking decisions in an uncertain environment. Hybrid models compensate the nonlinearity by introducing nonlinear mechanistic models as a backbone and then again using nonlinear machine learning tools to fine tune that model towards the specific process case which we have. The advantage of that is therefore that we are much more likely to understand the process better and interestingly even with less data so we have basically a better understanding while being required to do less of experiments so that's basically two very important advantages which we achieve compared to the current state of art. So what I'm hearing, Michael, is that when you use hybrid modeling, you're accelerating your bioprocess development. You're also making it simpler. And I would say you gain much more knowledge because you're less limited. You include much more mechanistic knowledge into the whole development process. And maybe one more thing is by doing that, you gain more process knowledge. Is this correct or would you add anything to that or yes i would very much say that on a high level we live in a very uncertain world and in this uncertain world we need to take very specific and defined decisions therefore we need to have a tool which enhances our understanding and therefore facilitates taking these complex decisions and hybrid models allow us to do this faster in terms of we require less data therefore we are faster in process development but on the other hand very very importantly we have a deeper insight into what is important and therefore continuously improve our understanding about that process yeah so smart biotech scientists do explore hybrid modeling because it helps you make better decisions not only gut-based as i've often seen so many times working in the biopharma I'd say still today, we make way too many gut-based decisions, despite actually being scientists and engineers. So definitely, from my experience, modeling helps you make data-driven decisions. And maybe let me highlight here a very important point that we are looking what is happening in the pharma industry at the moment. Gut decisions are... I would say, okay, in an environment which is very well understood, where you have a very solid platform process in place, where everything is very well characterized and you're developing a molecule which is very similar to what you have done so far. But now that we are facing many companies striving towards the new process 
hormone modalities, cell therapies, gene therapies, mRNA processes, where we do not have platform processes in place, where there naturally is no gut feeling there, where you need to much more have a tool allowing you to take educated guesses and eventually very well-qualified decisions. Here, even more, we believe that such a tool can be a real game changer. Can you give us an example? Because maybe some of you are wondering now, okay, how much can we save? How much can we accelerate? Especially where I see a lot of potential, as you highlighted, Michael, is in the non-platform processes. Um, I mean, how can you leverage, for instance, the knowledge you gained on one process and then moving on to the next? And how many experiments can you skip? Well, in terms of how many data do you need, that's a $1 million questions, which we always get. And it's very difficult to answer that with an absolute number rather than saying it depends on your objective. Is it about accelerating to a certain degree? Is it about improving your productivity to a certain degree? And given that, then one can say, well, here we have an acceleration potential of a certain percentage. What we have seen by working with very large pharma companies and CDMOs is that the potential is around 60 to 80% less experimental work to be done if that tool is being used consistently. That means not once a doc, you have a problem, you use hybrid models, it tells you where to operate the process and that's it, but much more from phase one, process screening, all the way to tech transfer to manufacturing, this tool is a sparing partner to iteratively design the next campaigns and analyze the experiments. This is the real potential which we see if such a tool is used consistently. And uh, well, if you were to dollarize that uh, saving potential, here we're talking about many, many millions of dollars which you can save in costs and time with respect to the status quo. This measurement will become more difficult when we apply it towards, let's say, non standard molecules on the market, because here there's not a real status quo. Here it's more, well, companies are starting to go into that direction. Every run comes down to a significantly higher single run cost compared to, let's say, the well-distributed monoclonal antibodies. So here we would not speak about, let's say, facilitating acceleration potential in terms of cost reduction, but much more an enabling effect by at all being able to bring that therapy to the market by trusting in that technology to allow you to bring together all of the possible design parameters towards a robust operation scheme. I think the real business cases are now about to follow. We are seeing that the first movers in pharma who have started to adopt hybrid modeling as an integral part of their process development cycles are now being able to measure the return on investment and trusting in that technology. Others will definitely follow. And I think in one or two years, I will be able to answer that question with uh, much clearer numbers. But I think that potential overall is really huge. Yeah, those early numbers are already quite impressive. Thank you for tuning in today. What an amazing discussion with Michael Sokolov, the COO of DataHow spinner from the ETH Zurich on why hybrid modeling is such a game changer. So I hope that you agree now that you should explore hybrid modeling too and see how you could implement that. 
So stay tuned for part two. It's going to drop on Thursday where we're going to roll up our sleeves and talk about the specifics, the very tactical advice, how you can leverage that. See you on Thursday. All right, smart scientists. That's all for today on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on your journey to bioprocess mastery. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, we can empower more scientists like you. For additional bioprocessing tips, visit us at smartbiotechscientist.com. Stay tuned for more inspiring biotech insights in our next episode. Until then, let's continue to smarten up biotech.